Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. And did y'all have a good day today? All right. I, I joined. Which crew did I join today, this morning? Who was it? Shout it out. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I came out of there looking like a fresh Picasso. Um, man, that crew lit me up. Uh, I've got, I got wounds everywhere, but it's all good. We, we had some fun. We played some paintball. I think I'm going to join Adventure Camp tomorrow. We're going to do some high ropes course. Uh, I'll be hanging out with you guys. Um, man, it's been a, it's been a good week. I've, I, I, let me say this. I've had an incredible amount of fun getting to know all of you and, and hearing some of your stories and talking with you, playing some games with you, shooting you with a paintball gun, all that fun stuff. But the, the, the fun part has been being able to open this for you. And let's, let's, just, let's just walk back where we came from, and then we're going to go to Romans 5. So if you got a Bible, you can go ahead and go there, Romans 5. But let's walk back where we came from. Remember, we, we talked about, um, in the very beginning, first night, Sunday night, I know that seems like eternity ago, but Sunday night we talked about this whole idea that God made the world, he's in charge, he's in control, he made it all, and that he had written eternity into our hearts. And remember, we, we stretched the paper around the room representing eternity, and as it, we kind of stretched the paper around the room, didn't we? Sort of. We, we got it around. And, and we talked about this whole, this whole concept that we have been given this idea of eternity into our hearts. There's so much more to life than just the line, than your beginning, your birth date, and your expiration date. And then we talked about what happened. How did we get here? How did we get to where we only live in this brief moment that Scripture calls a breath, a vapor that's here and gone so quickly? How did we get there? And we talked about this idea of the fall, and that with the fall came guilt and shame. And Adam and Eve looked to cover up that guilt and shame. And, and since that day, we've all been looking to cover up shame and guilt in all kinds of ways. And when we talked about maybe some modern day context being social media and things we try to put on, some, some masks we try to wear to present ourselves in a better light. But we know if we were honest with ourselves, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to cover up how we feel in here. And so we pretend and we fake it just because we know in here the real part of us is broken. And so then last night we talked about how do we, how do we take control back? If it's spun out of control, it's chaotic, how do we take control back? And we talked about maybe we could try religion. We could try to be good people and do good things. But the problem with that is it's just washing the outside of a truck when it's falling apart on the inside or putting roses on a dead rose bush. You see, the reality is we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so, man, if that's it, if that's the story, then you don't need me because we all know that story. That story we're very familiar with that we mess up, we carry guilt and shame, and we can't fix it on our own. If that's the whole story, man, there's got to be something more. Tonight, we're going to read from Romans 5. We're going to hear God's love story to you. Real quick, somebody, 
Tell me the indispensable principle. Before we go to the word of God, we go to the God of the word. Before we go to the word of God, we're going to go to the God of the word. So let's pray. Let's ask him to teach us tonight. Open our minds to hear, Father, you are good. And we sing it all night long. You are good, and you are good, and you are good. Yeah, there are times, though, that what comes out of our mouth and our lips may not match what's in our heart. And I realize that there are some of us in this room tonight that may not believe that. We may not believe that you are good. So as we read this book that you wrote to us, God, would you show us your goodness? God, we know the the chaos in our heart. We know the chaos in our life. And we want to see something bigger and greater. God, we want to see your goodness tonight. Teach us. Show us your love story. Help us to understand it. To know it in our heart, not just with our lips. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul's carried this argument out from Romans 1 two, and three. We read most of Romans three throughout the week, and we talked about how none is righteous, no, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but there is grace in Jesus Christ. In Romans five, here's what he means. Starting in verse six, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person one would die, would, would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This whole theme has been control. It's out of control. And the answer to finding control is not in ourselves. It's not in religion, but it's found in Jesus. Tonight, we're going to talk about the surrender. And what happens when we surrender? Here's the first thing I think you can get from this passage. When we surrender to Jesus... We get love. We get love. Just take a look at what he says. That, man, check this out. I I, I love this. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or perhaps another way to put it in more familiar terms for some of you is John 3, 16. Do you know it? Some of you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Here's what 1 John 4 says in, in chapter, uh, in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. I could name you scripture after scripture. The New Testament is full of these scriptures, but here's what it all boils down to. That in Jesus, what we have is the love of God. Now, th- now think about this. If God, all he ever did was just tell you he loved you, would that be enough? 
See, one of the things that scripture does, and it makes a clear point on, is that God demonstrated his love. God manifested his love. God showed his love. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you some help, men. Um, my wife and I, we've, this is our 15th year of marriage, 15 years of marriage. Crazy. And, and one of the things that we decided to do, I don't know, a number of years ago, was we have this journal, right? And it's about the size of my Bible. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe about this big. It's a, it's a journal. And in it, what we do is we write, we write love letters to each other. Oh, it's so sweet. Oh, it's so sweet. What we do is, like, I have a page, and I, I mean, on a page, I'll, I'll, I'll get up in the morning, I'll write a note to her. It may, be, it may be really long, it may be really short, I don't know, it depends on how inspired I am or how much coffee I have that morning, and I'll write, and then she'll write notes to me, and then you know it's going to be a fun day when it's like your birthday, because you're going to get like three pages worth of notes telling you how awesome you are, and we write these notes to one another saying that we love each other. Now, imagine, ladies, if... I get up in the morning, and every day I write my wife a note, and I say, I love you. I love you so much. Your eyes are bluer, but they're not blue. They're browner than chocolate milk, and I love chocolate milk, and I'm not a poet. All right, so I I write all these things in here, and I, I tell her how much I love her. But then I commence for the rest of the day to treat her like trash. No, this girl said... No, not going to happen. You can take that journal, I'm going to smack you upside the head with it. Not going to happen. Look, if I, if, I, if I just walk by, I leave the note on the table, but I walk by her and I don't say hi. I leave to go to work and I don't give her a goodbye kiss. I don't talk to her. I don't send her a text. She texts me. She says, man, thanks for the note. I don't text her back because I don't feel like it. And I come home and I say, where's my dinner? Look, I don't know if y'all know my wife. Here's what she say. She's like, now you can go to McDonald's. You can go, you can go to Burger King and have it your way. That's what you can do. Look. Uh, listen. Here's the deal. There's a difference in saying you love someone and demonstrating your love for them. There's a difference in just saying I love you and showing them that you love them. And one of the ways that you know when somebody's showing you love is, A, you can measure it by how much it costs them. Not just in monetary terms, but how much it costs them in time, effort, energy, to display that kind of love. The other way you can measure it is how much it benefits you. I mean, if somebody, if, I mean, if somebody gives you a new outfit, but it's 14 sizes too big, you're like, great. I'm glad you spent all that money on that outfit, but it doesn't fit. It doesn't help me at all. You see, what scripture teaches is that God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were still sinners and broken, full of guilt and shame, Jesus Christ died for us. See, one of the things Paul says is, Man, maybe somebody, maybe somebody would die for a good man. I mean, I know with my four kids, I'd step in front of a bullet and die for them. Maybe somebody would die for, for somebody that they love deeply, but 
Have you ever heard of a man dying for someone that they hate? Or have you ever heard of a man dying for someone who has hurt them tremendously? That's what he's saying. And he says, but while we were still sinners, still an offense to God, Christ died for us. He showed his love to us in this. See, one of the things I I need you to understand is when you come face to face with Jesus, and you surrender to him, the first thing you get is love. There's a story that takes place in the book of John in chapter 8. You can write it down because I want you to read it later. You need to be reading some of these things. Don't just trust me. I know it's on the screen. You need to be reading the Bible for yourself. In John chapter 8, there's this story that takes place. There's this festival going on. In the middle of this festival, Jesus is there, and the Pharisees come running out, and they have this woman barely clothed, and they drag her in the middle of the town square in front of everybody. And they throw her on the ground. And here's what they say. They say, Jesus, we just caught this woman in the act of adultery. We just caught her in bed with another man. And our law says that we should stone her. We should kill her. That's the penalty. That's the wage of adultery. What do you say? And it says in Scripture that Jesus gets down and he he writes something in the sand. And I'm not going to tell you what he wrote because it doesn't say what he wrote. I don't know what he wrote. But he gets down, and I think the point of him getting down is he's on her level. He's face to face. You know, we talked about guilt and shame and how it's in here. It's in here, and so we try to cover it up. We put stuff on, and we try to to smooth it out, and so we don't want the rest of the world to see it. But what do you do? What do you do when all of that guilt that you have for things that you've done wrong is sitting in front of everybody? Everybody can see it. Everybody can see her guilt. And not only everybody, the God of the entire universe is there looking her in the eyes. You can't hide. She can't hide the guilt and shame. She can't talk her way out of it. She can't project a better image. She can't make any excuses. She can't hide. And they say, we should stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And I mean, I just get this picture of Jesus looking her in the eye and looking back at the accusers. And he says, whoever hasn't sinned, you can, you can, you can throw the first stone at her. Go for it. He's making a point that all of us have sinned. All of us are like this woman. We have guilt and shame and brokenness. Now, we don't have to name all the sins, but it may not be adultery. It may not be some sexual sin. It may be something else, but we've all sinned. And so they drop their stones and they leave. And he picks her up by the chin. He picks her chin up and he looks her in the eye and he says, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are they? And she looks around and she says, they're gone. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. You see, one of the things when we come face to face with Jesus is we meet the reality of God's love. We meet the reality of who God is. Hebrews says that he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. That's who Jesus is. If you want to know what God's like, if you want to know what he is like as a person, as a deity, as your creator, the Bible says, look at Jesus. That's who he is. When we come face to face with Jesus, 
We give him control. The first thing we get is love. Second thing we get is when we give control over to Jesus, we get forgiveness. It says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Then it says in verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? He uses this term justified by the blood of Jesus. That there's something about the blood of Jesus that justifies us. Let's tell the story like this. I, um, we have four kids, so there's six of us in the family. And our last name is Minor, just like you can make all the funny jokes. No, we don't have a son named Cole or Asia or anything like that. Nothing funny. Um, you'll, you, you guys will get that later. There's a, cre- there's a family crest. Like, we made this thing. We call ourselves the Minor Nation. That's who we are. We are the minor nation. Um, we, have, we, have, we have campy sayings in our family, like be a minor, not a whiner, things like that. Um, but I'm the leader of the minor nation. So say, say, uh, say I have a kingdom. I'm king, king minor, I have a kingdom. And in my kingdom, I find out that somebody has been stealing from our storehouse in the minor nation that's full of M&Ms and Reese Cups. Somebody's been stealing from us. And I command my people who are in charge of the ki- helping me rule the kingdom, I want you to go out and find whoever's been stealing the stuff from our kingdom, and I want you to beat them. Because there's Reese cups. It's a big offense. I want you to beat them to, to show them that stealing's wrong. And the next day comes, and more Reese cups are gone. More things are being stolen. And I'm like, oh, man, let's up it. You're going to, they get 10 lashes, not five. They're going to get 10. The next day it happens again. More stuff's gone. All right, they're getting 20 lashes. The next day it happens again. But this time, somebody catches the thief. And it's my own son. And I've already laid down the law. I've already laid it all down. You're getting 20 lashes. And I step in and I say, you know what? I'll take the lashes for him. I'm the king, beat me. See, this is the message of the cross. It's so much more in depth than that. But the message of the cross is that we were supposed to die. Remember back in the beginning, we read on Sunday night or Monday night, we talked about that if you eat of this tree, you will die. And death entered the world, and now our line has an expiration date. Now there is no hope of eternity without an intervention from God. And God says, while you were still a sinner, I sent Christ to die for you. And what he did for you on that cross, when he was nailed to the cross and he died and he bled, is the blood of Jesus justified you. That he took the beating and the death that you were supposed to take. There's this scene, just to kind of put this in perspective, because it's bigger than Reese Cups and funny stories. There's this scene in Luke, towards the end, right before Jesus is about to go to the cross, he's in the garden and he's praying. He knows that the next day he's going to be nailed physically to a cross and die. He was sinless. And so he's praying 
And in verse 42, he says, his father, if you are willing, will you remove this cup from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And Jesus being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. I heard a preacher by the name of David Platt say this one time. Is Jesus, I mean, is, is Jesus scared? I mean, there have been men You know this, I think some of you. There have been men who have walked more bravely to their deaths for God. I mean, there's stories of men, of martyrs, who have walked to their death. There's one story of a man as he was being walked to be skinned alive because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Walks to his death singing while his wife stands on the sidelines clapping and cheering him on. Are we saying that man is more brave than our Savior, Jesus? Or men who would go and be burned alive at the stake? Or women who would go and have their tongues cut out because they couldn't stop singing the praises of Jesus? And yet here's our Savior in the garden bowing before God, saying, can this cup be taken from me? Sweating drops of blood. You see, one of the things I think we miss is the only thing we think about the cross is that he physically died for our sin, we miss that cup. And he says, let this cup pass from me. What he's talking about is the cup of the wrath of God. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, it's not just physical torment. You see, the reality is your sin, the guilt and the shame that you feel, oftentimes is so much worse than any physical pain. And I've talked to some of you this week. I've heard some of your stories. Some of you, What's going on out here is great. What's going on in here is anguish. And what he was about to walk to is he was about to walk to the cross where he would take on all of the mental pain, emotional pain and anguish that you've ever experienced because of sin. And he was going to take it all. He was going to take the cup of the wrath of God and drink it for you and for me. See, when I say what you get when you get Jesus, when you give control to Jesus, is you get forgiveness because what happens on the cross is he takes everything, all of your, as it is finished. It's gone. And Paul says that you are now justified. You're made right. You're declared righteous because Christ has forgiven you. The third thing that Paul goes on to say is that when we, when we get Jesus, when we give control to Jesus, we get life. He says this in verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we've now received reconciliation. See, there's one thing, if we just talk about Jesus going to the cross, forgiving us of our sins and dying, if that's the message, then we can pack it up and leave. There have been so many people who have died and maybe even said they died for great things. 
But see, the hope of the cross is not hope at all unless there's life attached to it. There's a story in John chapter 10, uh, John chapter 11, where Jesus, his best friend dies. It's, some of you know it because it's where the shortest verse in the Bible is. Anybody know the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept, all right? Well, the story goes like this, that one of his, one of his good friends, Lazarus, was sick and getting sicker, and then he dies, and Jesus couldn't physically get back there in time. He didn't make it in time. And as he's coming up to the house where Lazarus has been dead for four days, he meets the sister of Lazarus. Her name is Martha. And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. You see, what Martha is saying is we've seen you heal people. You healed that sick boy that that was that official son. You healed him. You've made the blind man see. We saw you make that guy by that pool walk. If you'd have been here four days ago, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you, God? Have you ever been? Have you ever asked that question? Where were you, God, when this happened? Martha's standing face to face with God, and she asked him, "Where were you? If you'd have been here, if you just would have been here." And Jesus says this to her, your brother will rise again. Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the last day. You see, what Martha understands is there is something, there's something future going to happen. There's some kind of eternity. There's maybe some kind of heaven. There's some kind of hope. I know that one day I may see him again. For some of you, that's how you've thought about God. Maybe one day I, there is some heaven. Maybe one day I'll get to see my grandmother. Maybe one day if I'm a good enough person, one day. And what Jesus says is he turns the whole thing on his head and he says, forget about the one day. Here's what I need you to know today. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he lives, live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. See, what Jesus says is forget about one day. What I need you to know is that I, myself, I am the resurrection. I am life, and whoever believes in me, whoever gives control of their life to me, he'll never die. He'll have eternal life. I mean, have you thought about it? I mean, have you, have you, have you thought about it? What if, what if I give you everything you wanted on this line? What if you came up to me tonight and you gave me your life plan? And your life plan included graduating from a, a prestigious college, getting a great job, becoming a great professional at something, some career, making good money, having a nice family, one that your marriage lasts and it stays together, having a nice house, having, being wealthy, having grandchildren, buying an RV, traveling the world, seeing the world, and dying at like 85 years old. That's my life plan. If I gave you your line, what would be on it? But the reality is if I give you your line, if I give you whatever you want on this line, one day, it's still going to end. I mean, really, think about it. What is the point? What is the point if all we ever have is that line? 
What is the point if all we ever get promised is that one day we're going to die? That one day we have an expiration date and none of us know when it is. None of us know how long that line is. And so Jesus looks Martha in the eye and he says, forget about the line. Forget about the one day. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, if you give control of your life to me, you'll live forever. You see, the promise of Jesus is not the line. The promise of Jesus is not that you're going to get more stuff and you're going to have the perfect life and all those things. The promise of Jesus is that you give eternity with him. You see, three days after he went to the cross and he died, he rose again. He rose again to give us life. And in that moment, he defeated death. Psalm 49 says this about death. Death is your shepherd right now. Wherever you're going in their line, you're being led ultimately by death. That's where it's going to end. And the day that Jesus rose from the grave, what it says in 1 Corinthians 15 is that he conquered death. Romans 6 puts it like this. We know that our old self, who we were before Jesus, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin may be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's what he did on the cross. On the cross, he took care of our sin. But we still got death if he doesn't raise again. So in verse 7, it says this, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Jesus being raised from the dead will never die again because death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the promise of Jesus is this. You come to me, you'll get love. You give control of your life to me, I'll forgive everything you've ever done. All the shame, the brokenness, it'll be gone. But not only that, your line will never end. You'll get life and life eternal. We talked about this, these beliefs that we have, but when we meet Jesus face to face, what begins to change is we begin to see who God is. We see that Jesus is Man, he's great. We rolled some, through some of these slides that Jesus is glorious, Jesus is good, and Jesus is gracious. It's who he is. But here's what I can't do for you. I can't make you believe that. You see, what Scripture teaches is that you've got to believe it for yourself you got to come to Jesus face to face. And when you meet Jesus face to face, you got to decide one thing. Who's king? Do you want to rule your own line? Or do you want to meet with Jesus and get eternity? Here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy who loves Jesus. I can't save you. I can't make you believe. So we're not going to pray this prayer out loud that you pray after me. I'm not going to get you to raise your hands because honestly, it's not about me. What we're going to do tonight 
is we're going to give you some time alone with God. And much like that woman who ends up in the square looking Jesus eye to eye, we're going to give you some time where you go out and you meet Jesus face to face. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay out that guilt and shame. This is in front of nobody, just you and God. Just lay it bare before him. And here's what he says. I've taken that to the cross. Yet that I took it to the cross as well. Yet that I died for that as well. And you've got a choice tonight. You can go out in that field and you can get on your knees and meet with God and you can lay out all the sin and the brokenness and the guilt and the hurt and the shame. And you can leave it there with Jesus and say, I want your life. I want your hope. I want your love. I want your forgiveness. And you can walk away and you can turn around and say, but now, that was the old me on July 4th, 2018. That was the old me, but now in Jesus, I'm new. Now in Jesus, I have love and forgiveness and life. You can do that. Or you can lay it all out and you can pick it back up again and bring it back inside. But God loves you so much that he sent his only son that if you just believe in him, he'd give you eternal life. Here's the ground rules. The field is open. It's for you. Don't go across the river. Don't go up in the woods. Somewhere out in that field, you find a spot. You get along with God. You talk with him. When we're done, we're going to call you back in here. We're going to call you back in here and talk. We've got some more things we're going to do. But here's the deal. I do realize that there are some times when you're out there, you just need somebody to talk with you. You need somebody to pray with you. If that's you, if you're like, man, I just, I'm a, if you're out there and you need somebody, you just raise your hand. And one of your counselors, they'll come over and they'll talk with you, answer any questions you have. But you take this moment, as soon as I say amen, and I finish praying, you take this moment and you go meet Jesus face to face. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that in you there is life eternal. God, it's abundant. It's full. God, that you have written this eternity on our heart, and we can live it in the life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that hope. God, that our sin and our brokenness, it hurts. God, we want to lay it before you tonight. God, and take up your forgiveness that we would be justified in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.